Okay, before we jump into this interview today, I just have to say, I had an amazing time with Dr. Mike Marino. Okay, first of all, you guys know, anyone who knows me or if you're following along and you're someone who feeds off of positive energy, this guy is a ball of energy and he's so positive. But probably like all of you, I'm always looking for ways to stay more fit, learn more health tips, also understand what can I cram into my day um, because definitely I don't want fitness to go sideways, but at the end of the time, it's always making it fit in, right? So he really delivered in this interview with everything from talking about his amazing concept of the 17-day diet, the success of his book, which went off the charts, which really put him in a role of being in front of the media, as well as just the role stress plays in all of our lives. And more importantly, how do we take you know, the concept of that we're not perfect. And does falling off the wagon mean you have to stop? So I love that he has all these great ideas to bring in fitness. You'll get some laughs along the way. He's a super real guy. And more importantly, he has a caring heart. So let's jump right in and speak with Dr. Mike. So we are so excited for our guest today as we talk with Dr. Mike Marino. He is unbelievably passionate. I can't wait to share his energy with you today. He's the number one best-selling author of the official 17-day diet, and he's also founder of drmikediet.com, which is a really fast-growing community of supporters who really look to him for healthy recipes, weight loss tips, nutrition, fitness advice. I don't know what else we can add to that list, information on diet and natural supplements. He's an expert in medicine, safe weight loss, and healthy lifestyles. He's known to many because he's been on television quite a bit and best-selling books. He practices family medicine and sits on the board of the San Diego chapter of American Academy of Family Physicians. I'm super excited to have the opportunity to interview him today because I so I know so many of you are you've talked about COVID-19 literally being your weight gain and how you really stay healthy in these sort of trying times. So I think Mike's going to have a ton to share with us today. So Dr. Marino, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. And we're going to go with Mike. I love the Mike. <laughs> I don't even let my patients call me Dr. Marino anymore. I'm like, hey, I'm right, over I that. love it. Well, Mike, <laughs> I, I'm really excited. You know, so many people view you not only as a physician, but really as a friend and a confidant. And I know when we talk about overall fitness and weight loss, you know, it's a very personal thing, isn't it? People see it's, it as part of who they are, their identity. It is. And honestly, between what I know your passion is and mine, between the two of us inside and out, we're going we're gonna to make this world a better place. And absolutely, I, you know, as you said, I've been practicing medicine, family medicine for 21 years now. And, uh, and I love it. It's a challenge. It's difficult. But let me tell you, Changing lives is a very rewarding thing. And when you can do it just through good old fashioned, you know, basic habits and lifestyle changes that people can do, it's not about, you know, tricks. It's not about supplements. I mean, sure, there are certain roles for those things, but it's just lifestyle. And if we get people back to those good habits, you know, it goes a long way. 
Well, you know, when you, you, you struck on something that really sticks with me, and that is, you know, this idea of sort of bite size, you know, where you, the, the small successes, these things that you can do that are very easily achievable. So, so as I start to talk about your journey, how did you get here? Um, what were the things in your life that sort of motivated you, not only in becoming a physician, but in taking this path as a physician? So um, first of all, I'm going to give credit to my mother because uh, <laughs> God bless her, raised seven kids. Uh, I was the last of seven. And I think by the time she got to me, she's like, look, just don't do anything really bad. And, you know, please don't embarrass me. She was just exhausted. Uh, but, you know, I, I came from a very humble background. My mother was a preschool teacher. My father was a janitor in a grocery store. And uh, they were all very big on education. And uh they, they raised us to believe that, hey, you have to do something. And, and more importantly, do something for yourself. Do something for others. And uh, my brother and I, my brother's also a physician, um, eight years my senior. He's the next youngest. Um, I was sort of the mistake. It was pretty well spaced <laughs> out. And then uh, all of a sudden, my mom, you know, the doctor said, you're going through menopause. And she's, he, she said, uh, no, I, I'm quite sure I'm pregnant. She, she, I was, she was 45 when she had me. So, um, but anyway, it, it was really about uh, doing and giving back, you know, to, to people. And I love school. I love learning. I love, I'm like, what can I do besides maybe an astronaut to stay in school longer than anything? <laughs> and uh, I, my brother's like, hey, you know, being a doctor's great and da, 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 da. And, and so that's what led me down the path initially. I love school. I love learning. I love being challenged. But with the ultimate reward of being able to give back, that was kind of the clincher for me. But I think, you know, when you think about you in particular, I mean, I love this idea of this idea of sort of walk with your doc, right? And, <laughs> yeah, it was great. And I think when you talk about doing something for others, I love the idea of, you know, that you make yourself that. I, I think a lot of people feel when they have a relationship, particularly with someone in a medical profession, you know, that there's a distance, right? I mean, there's sort of, I always hear people say they're sort of afraid to tell their doctor everything, you know, they, there's this intimidation factor. And I love the idea that to me, something like walk with your doc sort of tears down those walls. So tell me a little bit about that. I mean, how you engaged at that level and, you know, really walking the talk with your patients. It's funny that you asked this because I was at a dinner last night and, uh, somebody asked me, uh, you know, started asking me about this. And I told the story and I got to tell you, it was, uh, it was such a grassroots thing that occurred. Um, I'd been practicing at that time for probably a good eight years. And I saw a patient, one of my regular patients who I'd known, I'd seen for years and years and years. She had struggled with uh, diabetes, but was pretty compliant. She was eating properly, taking her meds, doing the things she was supposed to do. And she'd been pretty well controlled. So it, literally over a matter of three to four months, she shows up in my office and her sugars were like a hundred points on average above what they used to be. Uh -huh. And I thought, what happened, you know? And I, I literally said, what happened to you? Like, I don't understand. She said, well, you know, I said, it, it comes down to three things, right? Movement, medication, diet, or, you know, nutrition. Right. She said, I'm taking my meds. I'm doing my proper foods that we've been doing. She's like, but I stopped walking. I said, why'd you stop walking? Well, my neighbor moved and I used to walk every day with my neighbor and I just haven't done it. I've, I've lost the motivation. I lost that sort of companionship, that accountability. And literally I looked at her and said, well, what if I walk with you? 
can I get you to meet me at my office? I start my office at 7.30. If I can meet you at, say, 6.45, and we're just going to walk together. Oh, that's amazing. It was just so, like, reflexive, right? It was like, fix the missing parameter here. You know, the variable of the three was walking. So, yeah, I could say, well, you need to be more strict with your diet, or I'm going to raise your medication. I'm like, nah, that's not the right thing to do. I said, all right. She's like, she looked at me like I was crazy, I think. And uh, I said, uh, I said, I'll meet you. I said, give me a couple of weeks to organize this and we're going to figure it out. She said, okay. So I went back, told my nurses and I said, listen, we can quite honestly all use a good walk in the morning to get us going. And uh, here's what I want to do. You're either with me or without me. It's fine, but I need you guys help. And let's just get this out. Okay. So I didn't know what was going to happen. And we picked a day. And of course, this, this uh, woman showed up. And like two other people. So there we were. There's like the four of us. And I said, well, here we are. Let's, let's start walking. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we did. And as it, it, as it kept happening, another person joined and then another person and then two more. And then there, was, uh, there would be 20, 30, 50. And it just exploded. And people by word of mouth or people, you know, would say, Hey, you know, there's this other doctor that walks with his patients and they're like, can I join him? Like, yeah, of course. Anybody wants to join. And that's what we did. It was a simple walk. It was, it was, it was so magical and beautiful to see a person pushing a baby and maybe the baby holding a baby and generations of people, mom's dad. And we just walked. It was just that simple. Um, and that was it. And before I knew it, I had like a, you know, my nurses used to make fun of me and call me the Pied Piper and someone actually gave me a flute and said, uh, you know, now what is this guy doing? But really that's what it was. It was about fixing the variable variable and the variable in that equation was missing was the exercise, the movement as I like to use. And that's how it was born. And it, uh, that's just what happened. But isn't it amazing when you think about how compelling, you know, especially this is such an appropriate conversation for where we are right now in this moment in time, um, because I think that human connection, the idea of people, I mean, because for you, it was a walk, right? But for her, it was that human connection that had been missing that motivated her to get out. There. I mean, she didn't really walk for the walk, right? She walked to talk with that neighbor, to connect with that neighbor. And you know, and that's what you gave her. And I think that's a gift. Um, so I, I got to tell you, you are so right. It's spooky because that's what would go through my mind. I would watch people who didn't know each other, nor would they have ever met. And they were forgetting about the problems. Now, at this time, there was no COVID and there was no, you know, unrest in the world. I use that word just it globally, right? Because there's so many things going on. But everybody forgot about their problems. Everybody forgot about the, the stress in life, whatever it may have been, and however unique it was to them. And friends talked, and they talked about cars. And, and I would walk sort of behind them, like a kind of like a bear, like, you know, lumbering <laughs> behind their, 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 their uh, cubs. And I would just observe people laughing and talking about cars and movies. And it was just... A, a time frame, a 30 minute time frame for people to forget what was going on that was causing them stress or just, you know, 
getting them worked up. So I love that you said that. And I love that you recognize that because that's exactly was the most beautiful thing about the whole thing to me. Well, and I think the other beautiful thing, giving you credit too, and I think that's why you're on the show today is that, <laughs> um, you know, I think people, you know, it's also special that you took that time. And I think that especially someone, I mean, let's be honest, you know, in a practice, even today, you know, you're seeing patients so frequently and you have, you know, such turnover in the rooms and things, you can't spend that amount of time, you know, a lot of times with people. And I think the fact that they got an hour of your time, you know, or 45 minutes was amazing in that way. So congratulations on that. And I think it is a movement, you know, to get out and do that on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But the other part is that, um, you know, one thing that you've done that I want to talk about a little bit too is, you know, I was looking at your concept behind the 17 day diet. And I think people right now, especially are thinking, you know, how do I stay healthy in a very stressful time? Because come on, let's be honest. Yeah. I don't eat carbs that much. And I've been tempted to open a bag of chips <laughs> or something from the stress of so many things going on. Um, so I guess the question is, you know, it was interesting that you pick 17, you know, because you always hear lose, you know, 10 pounds in a week or seven right. days. And, and so 17 was such an interesting number. Right. Um, so, you know, so what is it that motivated 17 days and what is really the secret to that 17 day cycle? You know, it's funny because it's probably the most asked question that I've gotten over the years. And there is actually a very legit, and when you, I tell people, they're like, ah. So we, uh, many of us have probably heard the whole 21 days to form a habit. And it's, it's typically, there was a lot of science behind this and there was a lot of, uh, uh, sort of a lot of studies done that, that show that at 21 days, something happens in the brain that your, your mind becomes wired. You become sort of just used to doing something. And so that 21 days to form a habit concept was part of what played into it. And the idea was that I really felt like, you know, doing something for a small amount of time, let's say two weeks, was an achievable sort of threshold. And at 21 days, there was a habit. So somewhere between 14 and 21, there ah. was there is this this change that occurred. It started to evolve towards your body becoming complacent and used to doing something versus the newness and ability to do something. So therein lies between 14 and 21 days. I pick 17. I guess it could have been 18. I guess it could have been 16, but 17 was just what came up because it's that 17 days before your body starts to get your metabolism starts to just sort of get used to the food you're giving it metabolism. We talk about the basal metabolic rate, BMR, right? How many calories do we burn if we just open our eyes and lay in bed and don't move, right? It's that what our body needs to be alive and, and how many calories we burn, um, breathing and, and you know, those things. So the BMR, the basal metabolic rate, starts to kind of get a little bit, your body gets you know, very efficient. And when you know, most people think of efficiency in a good way, this is where your body gets efficiency with, with calories and caloric intake. When your body gets efficient, you don't burn as many calories doing the basic stuff. 
So at 21 days, I knew that that's probably where that BMR starts to slow down. And this is why people say, gosh, I was doing this diet. It was working well. I was losing weight. And then all of a sudden, after about three weeks, I stopped losing weight and I don't get it. And this is why the basal metabolic rate slows. You burn less calories. You have a, a surplus. So the idea was to not allow your body to get used to it. And if you challenge it and change it at, at that between 14 and 21 or 17 days, that basal metabolic rate is always at its peak and you're always chasing it, despite increasing calor calories in the program itself. You know, it's so fascinating and it makes sense because, you know, when you think about metabolism and all those things, you know, skin is exactly the same. You know, we tell people all the time that, you know, people will do treatment, for example, and then they won't go back and do that treatment again for two or three months. And they sort of think treatment is the way, you know, I'm gonna go get a facial or I'm gonna go do a body treatment and I'm gonna look amazing. But to your point, you know, the metabolic rate of cell turnover slows down again. And so, you know, and then people say, well, I never, I, I looked good for a few weeks, but I never get better. And it's the same thing. We tell them, think, think about putting your skin cells on a treadmill and you, and we want to do 21 to 28 day turnover. So it's very similar in that concept of key and, and doing the same thing. We're on the same mission, which is we're telling people all the time that you have to trigger it up and you've got to keep those cells turning over and you will look better and better. Um, you mm. won't plateau, so to speak. But I right. think that's, um, that's what I love about what you're describing is that idea of accelerate, activate, achieve, and arrive, all your A's. Right. Um, <laughs> but I love the idea of that. But I guess a question I would have is right now, and you know, this whole area of eating well and fitness is very trendy, right? Yes, so, absolutely. You know, and I, so I'd love to know, one, your thought on trends. And secondly, particularly now intermittent fasting has kind of come back on the scene. There's a lot of dialogue about that. Um, you know, we have a lot of women listening. So of course, belly fat is always the dialogue. And, um, you know, but you do talk about things like no fruit or starchy foods after two. So I'd love your thought on, you know, what are, what are the things that really quote work and what are things that are more trends, but in the end might not be the right investment right now of where people are putting their energy? Yeah, loaded question, and I'm so excited. I'm happy to answer this because I like my mind is spinning. I just I, I love just talking about this stuff. Uh, yeah. So I'll, first off, I'm going to tell you the best exercise is one that you like and you're willing to do. And one of the things I tell my patients is, tell me what you can do, not what you can't, and tell me what you did, not what you failed to do. It's very much about giving people confidence, giving people the ability to to say, yeah, I can do this. I can change my lifestyle. Um, it, my concept about the food part has really been more about carb placement and, and placement is the key. I think deprivation leads to failure. When you tell somebody you just can't have this, and, and there's a lot of reasons, you know, cultural reasons, so many things, you know, I'm Mexican. We grew up with tortillas on the table 24 seven. If you were to go to my father and say, okay, uh, you need to give up tortillas, he'd be like out the door and it, it would be the end of it. So I think it's a sensitive, me having some cultural awareness as growing up Mexican and in that, you know, we have these staples on the table all the time. So it was about not necessarily giving up, but how can we maybe make this work not so much against you, you know? And it's about winning key battles. And I think it's saying instead of, 
four tortillas a day. How about if we have three? And maybe instead of all flour, how about we make half corn? So it's a bargaining sort of thing. I think that we need balanced nutrition. We need fat. We need protein. We need carbs. Carbs are an energy source. They are um, something that we need to get through our busy days. We don't need a huge bowl of pasta at nine o'clock at night before we go to sleep. But hey, if someone wants to have a little bit of pasta, maybe it's a healthier type of pasta. Maybe it's made with cauliflower or, or different types. Maybe it's whole wheat instead of white. It's about the proper carbs, maybe better examples of those carbs uh, instead of a potato, maybe a, a sweet potato, instead of uh, white rice, maybe brown, um, instead of you know fruits that are filled with sugar, maybe fruits that have less sugar. But it's about picking the right carbs and more importantly, integrating them into your day when you need that energy. And that's kind of been my philosophy. And I think it really allows people to say, hey, you don't have to give up stuff. Um, it, it's, I've, I always, I've used the term that the most important thing about your diet is likability, affordability, um, doability, and sustainability. And those four principles make a diet a good diet. Just my opinion. <laughs> but when you say things like, you know, I totally agree, but I think, you know, one of the challenges for a lot of people is, you know, when you talk about sustainability, <laughs> right? one of the questions is, you know, um, what do you find are, are there certain motivational techniques that help people who feel like it's tough to stick with something? Um, you know, because change is always, like you said, it takes time to, for it to become right. a habit. Uh, but also, I think for a lot of people, you know, your point about the voice in the head, you know, we talk to a lot of people here, we get a lot of questions, um, you know, not only on our coaching line and our podcast and our blogs about, you know, how do I undo the negative thoughts in my head that kind of defeat me before I even get started? Um, so it's sort of, are there things you advise to really give people that motivation? How can you stay motivated to stick with something to see those results? So I use a tool that I've used for many years. And, and interestingly, the word motivation is in this tool. I call it the M&M, not the M&M that people are thinking of, but it is called M&M because it stands for motive, mindfulness and motivation. And I think a lot of us, to your point, it's hard to get out of a habit or get, you know, give up certain things because half the time we do things and don't even recognize what we do. And one of those things is eating. And, you know, if you were to say somebody, I use journaling a lot with my patients because, you know, when someone says to you, listen, I'm eating 1200 calories a day as I exercise two hours a day and I'm gaining weight. Well, that didn't make sense. And I think a lot of it is because it's not that people lie to themselves or lie to others. It's that they are just so busy and wrapped up in their day. They don't really recognize what they did or what they ate. And I'll say to people, what did you have for breakfast 10 days ago? They're like, I don't I have no idea. So um, the mindfulness and motivation tool is simply this. Before you do or not do, and when I say not do, it means choose to not exercise. Or before you do, eat that hamburger or whatever it is, take five seconds to be mindful and just stop and say to yourself, so that's the mindfulness portion of it. The motivation thing is, why do I want to make a good decision here? 
maybe it's because you want to look better. Maybe it's because you want to get off medication. Maybe you just want to feel better. You want to have more energy. You want to sleep better. You want to be more productive. Maybe because you want to grow up and see your grandkids and play with them. Maybe because you don't want to be in pain. Whatever it is, and we all have different motivation, if you can take that five to 10 seconds to say, this is what I'm going to order from this restaurant. But before I do, what am I doing and why do I want to be healthy? Why should I choose this salad versus this you know, other high caloric, thing, whatever it is, right? And if you give yourself a chance and remind yourself of why it is you want to make the right decision, you're going to start to make the right decision because motivation is everything. It's unique to everybody. And I think giving yourself a chance to make that right decision is what you need to do. So it's a tool that I've used. And what I tell people is you don't have to win every battle. You just need to win some key battles. You know, I use, I'm a big sports nut. So I use a lot of sports analogies and I tell my patients, listen, you don't have to win every game in the season to become the world champions, you know, but you got to win the key battles, right? You got to win the playoffs. You got to win the important battles. So it's about winning more than you lose, getting a winning record. But little by little, as you do that, it becomes a little easier and so speaking of, of winning and, and the <laughs> battles along the way, um, you know, how do it, where do you fall on the scale of, I, I get asked all the time and people ask, you know, what truly is more important? Um, is eating well more important? What makes the biggest impact? Is it working out? Is it eating well? Um, you know, because you hear all the time, well, you can, you know, your fitness is one thing, but eating is really the key. Or your other people say, well, you know, eating, you can eat well, but if you're not moving, and I realized ideally we want to do all of these things. Right. In the end, is there one that matters more? So it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to improve uh, fitness, well, then exercise is more important. But I, I say this all the time, and I, I, I truly believe this. Diet is 85 or 90% of the whole equation if you're trying to lose weight. If you're trying to lose weight, you mentioned earlier, if you're trying to kind of lose that belly fat or you're just trying to lose weight in general, it's, it's food, it's food, it's food. You could exercise five hours a day, but if your diet is not on, it, it's not going to work. So I think when you look at, circulation and immunity in cardiovascular health and pulmonary health, right? Fitness measures, exercise is clearly, you know, more important. But when you look at uh, weight loss, um, weight management, loss of body fat, loss of those things, it really comes down to eating properly. And, And, you know, food has a big role in terms of inflammation as well. And when you look at plant-based diets or all these other things, of course, ideally that's, that's the, 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 you know, the goal is to be whole food plant-based. It's a hard thing to do, Yeah. but listen, more power to you. If you can pull it off, I can't do it. I, I I've, I've tried and I just think it's not a sustainable thing for me, but I just try to do more of that than less of it. But I, yeah, I, think, I think that's uh, the key, right? Yeah. I mean, but that's kind of what you were saying is it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I really think that's what you've said. And everything right. I've heard is, you know, little, little movements make a difference. And it doesn't have to be extreme to get you there, right? Exactly. What, you know, 
whatever you can do counts. Everything counts. And, you know, we, I like to tell patients, and it's generally accepted a minimum of 30 minutes of activity a day. But for some people, walking for five minutes is not doable. And maybe that's back or knee pain or they're overweight or so out of, out of you know, shape, whatever it is. If you can do three minutes 10 times a day, well, then that counts too. So it's about what you can do and starting there and building on that. But uh, it, 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 it goes a lot quicker than people think and people become a lot more confident in their abilities sooner than they think. Well, and the thing I, I'd love to add just as a layman to this conversation is, for example, you know, what, if I can share with everybody listening to, you know, for myself, you know, I lead a really busy lifestyle like a lot of us do. I, you know, I'm a mom, I, I work, I run a company, I do a lot of things yes, in the community. Got your hands full. Got my hands full. But, but I, I used to think that I didn't have the time to eat as well as, as I wanted to, right? Because I thought, oh my gosh, well, you know, if, if I wanted, if, so I went on this thing of no bags, no boxes, right? I didn't want anything in a bag. No process stuff. I was just going to buy whole earth things, right? But what I learned to your point is, you know, I make cauliflower tortillas. I make, you know, cauliflower pizza crust. And I used to think that stuff would be so time consuming. And I tell all my friends that literally by the time you take a box of mac and cheese out and you make it, I can make cauliflower, you know, tortillas or a cauliflower pizza. So, you know, from scratch. So I think what I've learned is that eating well and good food doesn't have to involve more time. And I think people think that. And I'm living proof because I resisted it for a long time thinking that it took so much time. And I've learned that, you know, just trying things, you find out it isn't as difficult as you think or as expensive as you think. That's true. That's very true. And I think financially, that's a big issue. A lot of people worry, you know, in the perfect world, we'd all have a private chef and a trainer and a <laughs> yoga instructor and, you know, it, it, but let's face it, not a lot of us can do that. And I'll add this. There are people who have unlimited resources who can have all those things and still struggle. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, I think your point is extremely valid and I extremely right on in that you just got to try because I think it's a lot easier than people think. And it's not going 180 degrees, right? It's, it's, it, I always say this concept, it's more of the good and less of the bad, you know? Well, and things are changing. I have a friend who is in the produce business and she asked me a great question because for people listening who think it's too expensive because they think the only alternative is whole foods or somewhere like that. Um, you know, the other day she said, who is the number one provider of organic produce in the United States at a, at a retail level? So who do you think it is, Dr. Marino? Oh, God, that's a good question. I didn't know I was going to get quizzed. Let's see. <laughs> uh, hey, you never know when you come on with Celeste Ling what's going to happen. <laughs> Costco? Very close. It's Walmart. Wow. And I thought, well, I never thought about organic produce at Walmart, right? And, and what's interesting is that, you know, what she was saying is, you know, now people have access to fresh organic produce, you know, whereas that didn't used to be the case. Interesting. And, um, and so I thought, well, you know, we are making progress in terms of access. 
And so I think people can, you know, do have access to little healthier foods and things, you know, along with their Frito-Lay aisle, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's, like I said, more the good, less of the bad. Listen, if you have someone who eats, you know, seven hamburgers a week, and I'm not picking on hamburgers because I like a hamburger from now and then, you know, from time to time yeah. too. But if, in my opinion, if you could get someone who eats seven hamburgers a week to eat five, that's better than seven. Right. And, and again, you know, it's, it's trying to, you know, to, to get that boat to turn, you know, to get that Titanic to avoid that, that iceberg, right? It's a slow process. But once you get going in that direction and you feel better and you're, you think better, you sleep better, you're like, hey, wait a minute, maybe there's something to this. So, yeah, it's, it's easier. You just got to try it, you know. I think that's what you said, and I agree with you 100%. Well, one thing that's interesting that people ask about is, you know, so we talked a little bit about, you know, so far we've talked a little bit about the important movement, the important eating well, and you did mention in the M&M, you know, mindfulness, um, you know, what role does stress play yeah. in your weight loss journey and your overall health journey? And what advice can you give to people at a time that's stressful like right now? Yeah. Uh, so... Great question. And um, stress, the short answer, stress plays a huge part. Um, my five pillars of health that I tell people over and over in patients every day are movement, hydration, nutrition, avoidance of smoking, and lastly, stress management. You can't avoid stress. If you can, call me because I'd like to know how you avoid it. Uh, most stress comes to you. But I think what I tell people to do is take a stress inventory. There's two types of stress, avoidable and unavoidable. Unavoidable stress is what's going on in the stock market. I, I mean, yeah, it, it, you know, there's things you don't have control over and there's economy and there's a lot of things that are happening, happening globally that you personally in your little world don't have control over. Yet we dwell on a lot of those things. But then there are things that are avoidable stressors. There are things that we, we put energy and mindset into that perhaps, you know, we have a little better control or more control over. So I think taking a stress inventory is important. What is going on in my life causing stress? In which column is it? Is it avoidable or unavoidable? If it's unavoidable, acknowledge it, respect it, but move on and spend your time and efforts on the avoidable stress, things that maybe you can manipulate or change. But if you don't, if you just say, well, you got to manage your stress. What does that mean? You know, you got to take an inventory, I think. And I think you need to be aware of it and you need to respect it and give it its, its, you know, it's props because stress, you're right. It affects everything, our immunity, our energy, our, you name it. Um, so is but, it a little bit like when you do a food journal? <laughs> do, you kind of, do you kind you know, of stress journal? Like, you know, what what's coming up? And Because I, I love that idea. I never thought about it that way. So I'm going to definitely take that to heart. But, you know, kind of the the plus and minus, you know, the things I can't control, the things right. I, I do that I'm bringing on myself unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I think just taking that inventory is so critical because you find that you're like, gosh, I'm spinning my wheels about something I have completely zero control over. And it's not to say ignore it, but acknowledge that, respect that, and then put your worth into something that you can actually make a difference in. 
And you know, it's just a tool of one of many of my weird little tools that I try to help people out with, but uh, you're not going to avoid it. I can tell you that much. (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting that we're, so I have an example. I have a friend. She's actually going to be a guest on this podcast in the coming weeks. Um, she's a doctor as well. And she, um, she was very, very overweight and she, she'll tell her story. But at the end of the day, believe it or not, and I did not, I'm going to be honest. I didn't <laughs> believe her. She lost a ton of weight. And she told me that stress, changing the stress levels in her life, she started getting massage on a regular basis. She was doing breathing techniques. And I mean, she was walking and things like that, but I'm talking, you know, a 200 pound weight loss. Wow. Um, Good for her. And she said that she, she is a testament to, she tells everyone about de-stressing. You know, she said, literally the minute I started changing the stress levels in my life, you know, I just started losing weight. And I'm sure it's because there's all these other behaviors, you know, that come about because of stress, like random eating and, you know, whatever else. But, but I'm just saying it was, the transformation was astonishing to me. I'd never seen anything like it. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. And I, I think that's important for people listening to recognize that it, that, I mean, you got to have faith in yourself and you have to understand that it can be done. Um you know, let's face it, unfortunately, there's a lot of things right now that people were losing faith in in everything surrounding us these days. But faith in yourself is so important. And kudos to your friend. That's, that's brilliant. But, I, you know, I believe it. And it's, you know, and for everybody stresses, you, you deal with it differently. Maybe it's yoga, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's breathing, whatever it may be. I, I was the kid in church you know, and I was an altar boy. My mom, I used to drive my mom nuts, but I was the kid in church that when it was time to pray, like I was opening my eyes, looking around, like I can't meditate. And people are like, oh, you're just not, I've tried. I just, it just doesn't work for me. But there are other things that I found I can do and it worked for me. So to your point, exactly. Find out what, what takes that stress away, not take it away, but what, what makes it livable? What makes it manageable? And, and do more of that. But wow, that's a great story. Yeah. Well, you have to meet her. She'll, you'd love her. She's amazing energy. But the one thing I, I would love to know, cause you know, I started thinking as you were talking about, you know, the importance of believing in yourself and there's a lot of people listening today. You know, I'm a mom. A lot of us have kids that, you know, there's a lot of concern about the stress level on children and teens and young adults in this time, you know, with the changes that happen in school and getting jobs and oh. all of those things. And also the whole idea of, you know, we're using social media as a tool. We have podcasts and we're, right. you know, websites and all that. But, but I think when we talk about self-image and the image people have or what they believe they need to be to live up and the amount of depression and anxiety in younger people, um, you know, what advice do you give in that arena where we talk about, you know, cause you said it is so important to have a positive self-image or, or to have confidence in yourself, but, but what can a parent do in these times to sort of help with relieving or reassuring their children? You know, a great question. Um, I think you just got to be there for, for people. I, I, you know, when I think about growing up, um, but I, my mom worked and, and whatever, but I, I felt she was always around and maybe not 
physically present, but her words would resonate with me. Um, her ideations, her, her goofy sayings, she was present. And, and I think that, and again, I don't know, cause I've, I've never parented a child. I don't, I don't know, but I certainly all my friends and I have patients that do, I, I think it's about just being present and reminding people, reminding your kids that you're there for them and supporting them. I just think there's such, we, we, run these crazy lives where we're just not present anymore, you know, and you make a good point. I said the same thing to people. I'm like, I'm not a social media guy yet. We're using social media and yet we're using zoom and technology, but it's how you use it. And for what purpose? And I, you know, I don't think it's one of these things where you take your cell phone and throw it into the lake and never use it. I mean, there's just a way of doing things and using things that are there. But I think to back to your original question, I think it's just being present. And I think it's, we need some hope and we need a friend. And, and that friend may be your parent or, or an actual friend or a relative, whatever. But Well, I and think I think just- it's super timely in general with, it's, and again, not isolating, isolating it to children. or But like you said, to your friends, I think now more than ever, we do need to be present. And more importantly, I think we need to let people know we're there for them. Because there That's are it. a lot of people who are silently struggling and- it would just be, I think the difference if all of us just had one person that, that knew we were there for them, to your point, you know, it would be a really different place, right? <laughs> so I think and we that's all start totally with that, that piece, you know. I mean, support is the key. And when you look at studies that talk about weight loss, the number one most important thing to lose weight and maintain weight loss is support. It's a support system. It's having that person there. And so when you look at sustainability of weight loss, and it would be interesting to ask your friend this, but I think it's having a support system to help you, to remind you, to make you accountable. I go back to that patient that I walked with. It's really making someone accountable and knowing that, gosh, when you're struggling, and we all do every day, some more than others, unfortunately, you know you can pick up the phone and make a phone call and... uh, People are there for you. And I, I think you, you said it exactly. It's knowing that you, you have someone in your corner and uh, it goes a long way. Well, I think the other thing you can have in your corners, I think you, if I remember, I looked that you had a free resource, you had an ebook, right? The stress response right. and people can find that right on your website and so forth. And I think just, you know, little tools that give them content that they can, you know, leverage, right. To sort of share some of these ideas yeah there's i mean we've come up with over the years so many just tools and so many ebooks and so many just it's a platform and i like to think that i use the platform as a way to get people healthy and i'll tell you there's nothing more rewarding when you get on to do a live and talk about some tip and you have people from china from ireland from israel from all over the world will hop on because you know, the the one thing that's common to all cultures is health. We all want to be healthy. We may live in a different country, we may, but we all, at the end of the day, want to do what's good for ourselves. So I, I love it. I love being able to see people chime in from all over because I think we can all use a good little tip or a little eye opener to say, hey, you know, this is a change I need to make. But yeah, it's um, it's a big complicated world out there and i think uh you gotta you gotta be more confident about yourself well speaking of confident one of the things i want to ask you is you know 
when you just look at everywhere you've been, I mean, you've been on the doctors, Dr. Phil, all these media outlets, you've got your podcast and all of these things going. I mean, how does it change your life? You know, because, <laughs> because you are more exposed, right? You're out there more, you're, you get more of a spotlight, more visibility, have changes come along to you or your practice as a result of that? How do you juggle it all? You know? Yeah. Um, that's, <laughs> you're asking some great questions. I got to tell you. Um, it's, it's, it's hard, but I remind myself that sometimes when I'm tired or I want to sleep in or I don't want to do X, Y, or Z, there's a bigger thing out there. And at the end of the day, if I get up a little bit earlier to do something, a live Facebook, that if I can touch one person, that person can touch somebody else. And it's really a domino effect. It, it's, you know, I've gone through my trials and tribulations. Um, you know, I was married and divorced. We're still great friends. But, you know, work can cause a lot of unnecessary stress. You know, now I live in a condo with two cats and uh, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty low maintenance. So I don't have a lot of the stressors that other people have with, with kids and all these things. And I think what drives me is knowing that um, I feel like I'm doing a good thing. And, and I feel like uh, if I can restore faith in people and all it takes is reading a story or hearing a story like what your friend said, um, when I'm doing whatever and someone says, you know, I did your program and it changed my life. God, man, that goes a long way. And, and uh, you know, that self-image and it's what you do too, Celeste. I mean, skincare and how people look and how people feel that's that gives them the confidence to go out and say you know i'm beautiful or i feel i mean it's a big deal and so yeah. you and i doing the same thing we're just doing it a different way yeah but i gotta say i i agree with you and you know one little story i'll share that's just my favorite mind video that's what i call my memories my little mind video <laughs> of this kid um you know, this boy came in and we did a teen council and we did a, a panel of teens and we had them come in and do a little webinar about what teens are facing, you know, and it was amazing because they talked about how one girl shared that she was a cheerleader and she actually ostracized her friend because she had such bad acne. She didn't want to be photographed with her in social media. And she wow. said, you know, I feel so bad when I think about what I did to her, but I don't want a photo with her. And so I just quit hanging out with her, you know, and, and we were talking about how this affects kids as they go through. And this boy um, who was in this panel, he had hair, like long hair covering his face, um, had really bad acne. And on the way out, I said, you know, Hey, I'd love to do something, you know, for you, you did the panel today. And so we gave him products. Some of the girls, our coaches coached him. And the best gift of all was I don't know, maybe like two months later, he, he came back in our office and I didn't recognize him because he had cut his hair. His hair was wow. super short. His hair was like his weapon to hide himself. Yeah. And his hair was cut, his skin was clear and he was, his shoulders were backing up and he was like, you changed my life, you know? And I always think about moments like that. And I'm like, shoot, this is why we do this. You know? That's it. You it's know, like, cause this kid's life is going to be different. And his parents like, oh, it's acne. He'll outgrow it. And his point is, I won't outgrow the scars of what it did to me socially. And I think it was just cool to see that that self-esteem was there. So I like you, I love that. And I think that's our badge, if it's anything. It, it's powerful. And, and, you know, that's what will make you work late into the night. And that's mm -hmm. what will get you up earlier. And that's what will get you to work on Saturdays and Sundays. 
you know, yeah. we take it as, uh, you know, what we do, but you know, other people, it is truly life changing. And, uh, well, you know, and one other thing I'll say, it can also be life saving, which I think is Absolutely. the other part, whether it's weight, whether it's, you know, what you're dealing with emotionally or whether it's how you see yourself when you look in the mirror, you know, for me, vitamin D is that, you know, it's like, it's made in the skin. I'm a super big fan. I know you're super big on it. I love um, it. <laughs> we need to do a whole show on that. It but does at the so end of much. the day, you know, I really feel like, you know, we also do things that save lives. And I think, you know, skin cancer this year will again be, you know, bigger than the top five cancers combined in terms of cases. So I just feel like there's still so much. The good news is we have employ full employment. <laughs> we have a <laughs> lot of work to do. So right. Good. We're never going to be out of work. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And, you know, when you look at the the rates of depression and anxiety and suicide. Listen, when we say we're saving lives, we literally are because when you can change someone's self-esteem and self-image, you you have no idea what that could have potentially prevented and what what kind of, you know, pathway someone was going down with something like that. So it, it's a so big we deal. just got to keep doing what we're doing, do more of it. So before we wrap up, we always do something which is our lightning round of questions. Ah, so you don't have to think about <laughs> it. You just kind of answer with whatever pops into your head. But, um, but it, we also love it as a way to get to know you a little better. So what's your favorite superfood? Blueberries. Ooh, <laughs> what's your favorite way to move your body? Swimming. Ooh, I love that. How often should people work out? Wow. Daily is if you can, but like I said, it, as much as you can, I mean, you're never going to over-exercise. So I'd say daily if you can, but as much as you can, everything counts. Does 10 minutes count? It does. It's All better right. than nothing. All right. I like that answer. All right. So what's your biggest myth that you like to bust about health and fitness? Well, I, I think we spoke of it earlier, which is that uh, you can out-exercise a bad diet, and that is so wrong, uh, and I've seen tens of thousands of examples of that over the years. The key is you don't fool yourself and don't think that you know there's some magical thing about exercise that will completely eradicate bad dietary habits. Start with good diet and and that's what you should put your efforts in. I tell people, listen, if you can only focus on one thing, then focus on diet. And then other things will come into play. So what's your hidden talent? My hidden talent? Uh, you know, I, I, that's, a good, that's a tough one. Um, well, I'm a musician, so I'm a drummer. I play drums and oh, have like for, for, for a long time. Um, I, yeah, I guess I... I so, so do you, so say. do you have neighbors who like that? <laughs> well, yeah, I had to switch to a silent, more electric type of, of, uh, I mean, I used to have this big house and it was away from everybody and I could beat on my drums like a, you know, a teenager. Um, but, uh, yeah, now I had to switch to like a new sort of thing. And then actually my real drum set is now at one of my band members house and his wife's about ready to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I always think of Matthew McConaughey and the bongos. That's what I think. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. What a character. <laughs> Oh, gosh, crazy. Um, so what is one thing that people would be surprised to learn about you? You know, I think people think I live this perfect life in terms of diet and exercise, and it, it could not be further from the truth. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I, I'll have a piece of pizza. I'll eat a hamburger. I am not whole food plant-based. I wish I could do it, 
but there are certain things that I just love. Um, I, you know, and I don't eat red meat every night, obviously, but once in a while, I, I'm a big wine guy. I'm a huge wine nerd, if I may. There, to me, it's there's some level of enjoyment I get out of having a really nice glass of wine with a, a nice fillet. So, a lot of people say, "Oh gosh, you probably eat like this, eat like that." I'm like, "No, I, I eat pretty much everything." This sounds like you're human to me. <laughs> I'm just like I think I'm just like a normal person, you know. I I, yeah. I I don't exercise every single day. I wish I could. There's some days where I come home and I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm sitting on the couch and watching TV. Well, I like the fact that Mike is keeping it real. That's, That's what I right. like. About it. That's you got the best it. part. So, so we, you've shared so many great things with us today. I'd love if you could share with everyone listening, where can they find you if they want to connect with you? So we have, uh, and I say we, because I have a team of people that work with me. Um, it's certainly no one man army. Um, that, uh, on my website, the 17 day diet or Dr. Mike diet, dot com is where you'll find any and everything um we have a really large well over a hundred thousand people on on the big community and then we have a smaller community that are people who are just really engaged and really at that point in their life where they're really trying to embrace lifestyle change um and that's probably even in and itself around ten thousand people but Go to drmikediet.com. You'll find any and everything. We have a team of people who are as passionate about health as I am, and uh, we will make sure we get you on a pathway to better well-being. Well, I love that. And more importantly, I want to remind everyone that Dr. Mike does have uh, his Wellness Inc. with Dr. Mike Marino podcast, and uh, we'll put a link to that um, on our Instagram as well, and you guys can tune in. But I just can't thank you enough. It's amazing how fast the time has gone. And I just love your energy and what you shared with us today. I'm excited to put my journal to work based yeah. on you. Put some <laughs> M&M in there. There you and go. I'll get going. But I can't thank you enough for your time. And I just want to ask you to keep doing what you're doing. So it's I, great to be helping I appreciate you. And thank you for having me. And uh, listen, you and I both and, and you know whoever else is out there, we're going to fight the good fight and we're going to win yeah. it. Absolutely. Well, as I always say with all of you guys, be positive, be truthful, be kind. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and bear it all. Be sure you subscribe so you're notified every time we upload a new episode. You can follow us at Bearskin with Celeste and at Skin Authority on Instagram and my personal Instagram at Celeste Hilling. Also make sure to leave a review. We would love to hear your feedback and your burning questions. See you next time.